As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's Straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, defeating Turin as Chelsea blunted in attack again, Saints come marching slash jogging in, quiz based shenanigans and more, available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Straight Outta Cobham. Hello again listener, sorry to be coming at you after another 1-0 defeat. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, joined by Sam Parkin. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Sam. And making his triumphant return to the pod, the Athletics Chelsea correspondent, Simon Johnson. Hi, Simon. Hey. Triumphant is your middle name. Um, (laughs) All right. Chelsea not triumphant in Italy, unfortunately. Let's reflect on that game. Early opportunity here for Chiesa. What a finish! What a start to the second half! And what a finish from Federico Chiesa! Chelsea find themselves behind in the blink of an eye. And Juventus lead 1-0. That was something. We were so good yesterday in training and uh, not not good enough, not free enough uh, today. I don't know why, but it was a thing for the whole team. I felt us I felt us a bit slow, tired, slow and mentally slow for decision making. And uh, yeah, that's why it's a bit a strange one to analyze, but Juventus won Chelsea nil then. The Blues slipping to a second successive defeat to nil. Federico Chiesa's goal 11 seconds after half-time did the damage on another night when Chelsea failed to create much and were wayward with their finishing when chances did come. Our man in Turin was Don Fifield. He sent us this report from the stadium mere moments after the whistle had blown for the final time. The final whistle has just sounded here at the Allianz Stadium. And it's the Juventus supporters celebrating a hard-fought 1-0 success. Chelsea departing the pitch, exasperated and beaten. Chelsea had most of the ball, more of the attempts by the end. We still return home, defeated and deflated. A second successive loss after Saturday's defeat to Manchester City should not end up undermining their Champions League defence too much. There's plenty of winnable games still to come. But this was still a quite a significant moment, nevertheless. It's a match that might actually end up being remembered for the Mourinho-esque triple substitution. 
around the hour mark from Thomas Tuchel. The moment the head coach's patience seems to snap. The moment he decided it was time for a radical change. Almost a changing of the guard. Having started with no Englishman in his starting 11, first time Chelsea have done that since the 2019 UEFA Super Cup, Tuchel flung on five in the second half in a bid to inject some pace and urgency into a flood of a performance. All to no avail in the end, for all that Kalamaz and Adoy flung over plenty of crosses from the right. Ruben Loftus-Cheek pushed forward with purpose and Ben Chilwell was far more incisive with his running down the left. Even Ross Barkley got his run out in the end and set up Romelu Lukaku for one of the Belgium's more clear-cut chances, only for the strike to blaze over the bar. He, like his teammates, ended up a picture of frustration. This game had really exploded into life after the interval, the teams having played out quite an even opening period with Chelsea monopolising the ball but struggling to eject any pace to unsettled resolute opponents. Tuchel had sought to address that by hauling off the ineffective Marcus Alonso at the break, but as it was, his team were caught cold 11 seconds after the interval. When building up from Juve's kickoff, Federico Chiesa smashed the shot into the top corner via a slight deflection of Antonio Rudiger. Chiesa was probably the best attacking talent on the pitch all night and ultimately proved the difference between the two teams. Kai Havertz missing late headers, Chelsea ended up beaten. Comprehensive, Simon, from Dom in Turin. And to kind of add some, some more colour to that, I thought Chelsea started pretty well in this game, but but a familiar pattern to what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, just lacking something in that final third and, and struggling to get Romelu Lukaku involved in the game. Yeah, I thought um, Juventus did a very good job of isolating Lukaku or certainly blocking the pathway to him, the kind of passes that he wants to thrive on. Um, and he had a tough enough job as it was uh, against that very experienced rear guard. I think one of the issues that's really sort of become noticeable compared to sort of Lukaku in the first few weeks and Lukaku in the last week or two is that the interplay between him and the two number 10s has really diminished. I, I was very optimistic um, and still am. It's you know it's a, it's a stumbling block. Let, let's not get too doom and gloom. But I was very optimistic when with the way that Mason Mount and Havertz and Lukaku seem to be gelling quite quickly. Um, you know when you sort of think back to the Arsenal game and a touch of the Liverpool game, etc. But that interplay seems to have stopped, and and Lukaku is becoming a very isolated man. I thought Juventus did a great job of of frustrating him and therefore with, with Zayesh and, and Havertz not having good games behind him, Chelsea were quite uh, sort of nullified really. They were just passing the ball sideways and uh, for long periods. So even though they had a lot of possession, they, they didn't really do uh, very much with it. Stam is our resident number nine. Were you, were you feeling sympathy with Lukaku? And is there anything that he can do to, to try and get a bit more involved or is it all about the service coming into him? Um, I didn't feel sympathy for him. I, I think it was a really poor performance, first and foremost, but we could be sitting here this morning talking about a 1-1 one, one had Lukaku taken that chance in the second half. And those are the fine margins. I thought that the front three were really poor. I thought when he... It was eye, eye of the needle stuff in the first half. And I thought he was a bit hesitant, Lukaku, when he received the ball um, around the box. 
And I thought Havertz was a little bit over elaborate. I thought he took one too many touches on a number of occasions when they were in promising positions in the first half. But I thought as a trio that they, they, they were really off it last night. And obviously when people become available again, the manager's got great options to change that. I mean, Mount has been a huge miss. Uh, and I think Pulisic really comes into the reckoning as well because they've got different attributes. I think Havertz and Ziyech possibly in the same team are too similar. And, and I felt that was was obvious last night. And down the left-hand side where Ziyech pulls over to alongside Alonso, such a lack of intensity, a lack of pace. It wasn't for the want of trying from Ziyech's perspective, but it just didn't come off for him last night. So a lot of food for thought for the manager. But I think we have to call for calm at this point. You know, it's a couple of performances where Lukaku's looked a little bit short, but... He's shown enough in the Chelsea shirt already to show that he's going to be a real asset. And it's just getting that combination right around him. I think that's the the most important thing right now. Yeah, and on that, uh, Simon, here's a question that's coming via Twitter from Ben, who says, Noticing an issue with our attacking play this season seems too predictable and slow. Has the Ziyech experiment come to an end? Not a bad player, but doesn't seem to be working for him and doesn't feel like he's a fit for our football. Kai also struggling, just too passive. Would you agree with that? Um, Ziyech, it feels like he's never really got started at Chelsea. There's always seems to have been any sort of flash of form. There's been a setback. And, and of course, you sort of think back to pre-season where he, he was looking really good and then got injured in the in the Super Cup. Um, but you, you have to say he hasn't delivered. Um, there was so much hope and expect. He, it was games like last night. That's why he was bought. Um, that X factor, that sort of ability to thread a pass through the eye of a needle. That that sort of class. And I mean, it's quite damning that Ross Barkley was the one that produced the best pass of the night for for Lukaku. That that should have been Zayas's job. And and he really can't complain if he is left out when when players are returning to fitness because. You know, that was a prime opportunity. He scored some key goals sort of back in the last season, but overall he's not really got going. But for me, the biggest disappointment is Kai Havertz. Um, I, I actually was asked at the start of the season as part of a, a piece, you know, prediction of the season, who who's going to be... Uh, and one of the subjects was, who's going to be your, your star player of the season? And, and I put down Kai Havertz. Now, look, there's a long, long way to go. But he's been very underwhelming so far. Like I really thought that the confidence that he would have been given from being Chelsea's Champions League hero from Porto would have really sort of kicked him on to another gear because he's clearly got lots of talent. But in games games like last night where he's losing the ball too easily and of course he's, everyone talks about his body language, it, it doesn't look good when he's sort of this sort of kind of morose character sometimes um, and losing the ball so comfortably. So it, it is a concern for Tuchel that you've got two of your sort of number 10 options not at their best by any means. And I think it gives, certainly Mason Mount, I think he's a shoo-in for when he's returning to fitness, which hopefully will be the Southampton game. But if you're Timo Werner, you're going to be sitting there thinking, OK, it may not have worked out for me against Man City, but as, as a number 10... Uh, a left side number 10 to combine with Lukaku, perhaps he's a bit, bit of a better option right now. And of course, as Sam mentioned, Christian Pulisic, when he gets back to fitness as well. Forgive me if this isn't the best comparison, but 
Havertz and Ziyech had four touches in the opposition's box last night, of which two I think were speculative headers. Um, I know a different system, but Gabriel Jesus and Jack Grealish had 25 touches in Chelsea's box at the weekend. So, mm. you know, I don't think they're getting, they're not getting up and beyond Lukaku enough. Lukaku had 10 touches in the opponent's box last night. So you could say that, you know, he received it in some decent positions, but I just felt that chemistry was was lacking there. And again, I go back to the point where maybe Ziyech and, and Havertz are just wanting, yes, they, they need to receive the ball to feet, but are they a little bit too similar in this format right now? In terms of the team that started, we mentioned a few names there. Tuchel wants to know, what was the thinking behind starting most of the players who toiled against City, leaving Callum Chilwell and Werner on the bench and playing Azpilicueta at right wing back for a second game running? At his age, I guess part of it, Simon, was because of the absentees. Thomas Tuchel obviously felt that was the strongest eleven available to him, but it wasn't as if many players had shone against Manchester City. So maybe slightly surprising, certainly not to see Chilwell start and, and Hudson Odoi too, possibly. Although he's not been in great form. Yeah, um, certainly the the Chilwell thing is is dragged on long enough now for it to be a bit for it to be very very strange. Um, you know, Tuchel was asked about it recently and, and sort of talked about how Chilwell has been struggling since since the summer and how he's treated by England. But I don't see how not playing him is going to improve his mental and his his uh, frame of mind. Um, Alonso was was very poor against Man City, and I was very surprised, despite his good start to the season, that. He was rewarded with another run out against Juventus, and it was really noticeable that that lack of speed, as Sam alluded to, um, on the left hand side, it, it it really was a factor. Um, and I think like Chilwell wasn't great when he came on, but I thought it was better. Um, there was a bit more spark in the attack. I, I think Chelsea as well, you know, were, were missing the likes of Conte and Mount. They're they're the two that 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 sort of like I think would have really injected some energy. Jorginho and Kovacic, they've had a couple of ropey performances now after a very bright start to the season. Kovacic always was almost Juventus' best player in the first half with with the way he gave it away in, in, in two very vulnerable positions. On the bright side, if we look on the bright side, the, the subs did make an impact and that's something that the best hope that they've got of forcing their way into the side if you're if you're not in the team is to come on a sub and make an impact. And I, and I thought they all did. And, and But I, I don't think whatever Hudson-Odoi does, I don't think it's ever going to be enough for him to, to force his way into Tuchel's first eleven. I just think he doesn't trust him. Yeah, on the subs, Sam, uh, Dave wanted us to end on a high note and, and says it's great to see a sharp Ruben and Barkley looking highly motivated. It's quite incredible, the turnaround for those two players in particular, isn't it? Because, you know, we Barkley was maybe going to go to Inter Miami was the only place that, that showed any kind of interest in him, if, if you believe reports. And he looked miles away from the Chelsea first team, but but he came on and, and was arguably Chelsea's best player from the time that he was on the pitch. And, and Ruben really pushing for a start now as well. Yeah, without a doubt, there was immediately more purpose about Chelsea's play. Um, there was more willingness to, to go forward. 
I wouldn't say necessarily to take risks. I, I felt it was still too rigid. You know, I wanted to see someone produce some individual skill, a midfield player to come out of the shape and, and run beyond that I've already spoken of. So I felt I felt that was a feature that remained for the 90 minutes. But in terms of the, the zip on the passing, um, it was moving around quicker. And Hudson-Odoi put a few decent balls into the box, yes. On Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I just think the... The trust to put him in a different position. You know, it looked like maybe after that that brilliant performance against Aston Villa, he'd be that deep line player and we'd be able to trust him in that role. But to go and play as an eight for a, for a period last night, I thought was encouraging for him. Uh, and Barkley as well came on and showed some some lovely touches and a, a great show, a show of faith to put Trevor Chalaba on in, in um, holding midfield as well. We've not seen him, I don't think play that role maybe in Chelsea's first team. So there, there was some definite positives there. Loftus-Cheek surely has to be right at the forefront of the, the manager's mind moving forward for Southampton. I'd love to see him play. If he's going to play the, the two sixes, stick him in there. Give Jorginho or Kovacic a rest, 100%. I think both of those two laboured a little bit last night and I think played a big part in the goal as well. I think both midfield players switched off Certainly, if Jorginho's position would have been a bit better, that could have been avoided. And and obviously, the the two centre-halves didn't cover themselves in glory either. But yeah, I, I think Ruben's right there now, knocking on the door. And I agree with Simon. Um, as much as I want Callum Hudson-Odoi to uh, be a success, I just don't think that position is going to suit him. I think, you know, when he gets doubled up on the right-hand side, I don't think he has that real electric pace to be able to get to the byline. I think he's much more comfortable coming in off the other side when he can start a little bit further forward. Um, so his opportunities are going to be limited, going to continue to be limited, which is a shame, but I kind of understand in this role because he's still not quite doing enough for me. Well, defeat in Turin, unlikely to be terminal for Chelsea's Champions League hopes this season. They're back in Premier League action on Saturday. We'll look ahead to the visit of Southampton to Stamford Bridge next. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Chelsea back at the bridge on Saturday then. They take on the Southampton side, still waiting for their first league win of the season. They did hold Man City to a draw at the Etihad a fortnight ago. Uh, Southampton-wise then, Simon, I guess it's fairly safe to assume they'll they'll just be rolling out that blueprint again, will they? And say, well, this worked for us a couple of weeks ago at the Champions, so let's do it at the Champions of Europe. Yeah, and, and also they would have taken great interest in in how Juventus were, were able to stifle Chelsea so easily um, 
But I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Tino Livramento. Um, what a fantastic start he's made to to life in the Premier League. Um, you know, Chelsea Chelsea wanted to keep him, did their best to convince him to, to sign a new contract, but it just shows that he made the right call. Um, he, he chose the chances of playing the Premier League over over sort of the prospect of making it at, at, at the European champions. Um, Chelsea have a buyback clause and already you can imagine people at Chelsea are thinking, thank goodness we inserted that buyback clause because, um, yeah, he, he looks an absolutely fantastic talent. Uh, no surprise to many people at Chelsea, but I think there's an element of surprise just how well he's settled in to, to life at St Mary Stadium. So Chelsea likely to be, well, they will be without Kante and James Downsover, Mountain and Pulisic for this game. Sam, we had lots of uh, questions coming in on Twitter asking if it was time to switch to a back four. Would you be thinking about that for, for this game? And would there be any particular personnel changes that you'd be making were you the man with TT emblazoned on his uh, lovely tracksuit top? Uh, I don't envisage this being the game he chooses to change to a back four, but I think it's it's going to have to be an option moving forward, something to have in his armoury. Um, and the players will need, I suppose, a, an opportunity in a game situation to to practice that. So maybe that will come in one of the cup competitions. I mean, I think there was a lot of talk about, you know, what the system was um, against Aston Villa. It, it, to me, it still looked like the, the, the same back three. Um, but I think there'll probably be an opportunity, maybe in a cup competition to roll out a different system, which would, would see maybe Hudson-Odoi playing a preferred position for one and maybe one or two others. But I wouldn't see it for this game. I don't know, maybe... Werner comes into the reckoning is two goals against Southampton last year. Is that, have I gone mad or was that? Yeah. Um, so potentially that could be something that they look at, but if any of the guys that missed the other day are fit, you know, I think Mount, Pulisic, James, obviously Kante is not going to be available, but those guys immediately come back into the reckoning. And I'd like to see Loftus-Cheek given a, a game, especially in this fixture. It's a, it's a fixture Chelsea should win. Yes, Southampton will probably try and press the life out of Chelsea as they did against Manchester City. When it works, the system under Hasenhutl, it's very difficult when they're on song to to counteract it. But Chelsea should have no problems in that, in that regard. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a few changes for this game because I think it's necessary after the, the laboured display in the week. It is an important game for Chelsea um, going to that international break. Just to just to ease the nerves a little bit, I can imagine the atmosphere might be a little bit little bit tense, particularly if it carries on being nil nil for a while. Um, the the strange thing is is no one's questioning Thomas Tuchel, but if there is sort of one sort of sort of question mark, <laughs> he said contradicting himself. <laughs> It is this ability to come from behind. Like Chelsea's defensive record is phenomenal and that's why they've been able to, to do so well under Tuchel and that basically if Chelsea score first, it's almost game over. You can practically guarantee it. But there is this sort of issue that they've only come from behind once to, to win a game and, and that was at Man City in the Premier League last season. Um, and it, you know, it took a little bit of a few things going their way and it, it's just... 
it's it's all very well sort of playing this very safe system uh, when you're in front, but when you need to chase a game, it, it does seem to me that that Chelsea therefore that the lack of attacking players on the pitch then becomes an issue because Chelsea have such a defensive uh, setup. Because you wouldn't say like Jorginho and Kovacic, despite Kovacic's uh, improved form at the start of the season, they're not the most creative midfielders. They they tend to be sort of more controlling the pace of play. Um, and if the if the wing backs aren't getting forward, suddenly the the onus on those front three to to create a bit of magic um, comes even more under scrutiny. And I don't think Chelsea have that player that can beat a man. You know, to, to produce that bit of magic, which I think Sam talked about earlier, um, to get part, and we saw a little bit of Hudson Odoi at Juventus, didn't we? He got past the, the fullback a couple of times, but that's why it then becomes so much pressure on the passing game to come good. And if you can stop the supply to Lukaku, then suddenly Chelsea can uh, can get nullified. So anyway, it's my long-winded way of saying Chelsea need a win on Saturday. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good point there, though that. You asked me about the system, Matt, and Thomas Tuchel's hand may be forced in a fixture if they go behind, for example, need to get another forward on the picks, then maybe he'll go to the back four just to get, you know, four players uh, across the front. So it may happen that way. I felt last night, yes, there was little alterations in terms of just finishing with Kovacic and Barkley and Loftus-Cheek in front. So there was a little bit of change in the shape there. But I think you know, invariably in matches, sometimes the manager's hand is forced when you have to get more attacking players on the pitch and that could come when they're chasing a deficit. So I'm sure we'll see the back four at some point, but I don't necessarily think it'd be from the start. 3-3 when these two met at Stamford Bridge last season, Chelsea 2-0 and 3-1 up only to concede in stoppage time. At that point, Chelsea were in the midst of a 17-game unbeaten run under Frank Lampard. Things have changed. Uh, it's a big game, as we've mentioned, particularly given that Liverpool and City are playing each other this weekend. Chelsea's run does look a little kinder, uh, starting with this game. Following Southampton, it's Brentford away, tricky. Norwich at home, Newcastle away and Burnley at home. So hopefully they can play themselves back into form. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, better news for the women's team who thrashed Birmingham 4-0 in the quarterfinals of last season's FA Cup on Wednesday night. Frank Kirby scored twice, Penilla Harder and Sam Kerr also found the net. All three of those players had scored against Man United on Sunday. All three came off the bench here as Emma Hayes made eight changes to her lineup. Bethany England missed a first half pen, took Chelsea more than an hour to make the breakthrough. Sets up a semi-final away to Manchester City. They play Brighton at home in the league at the weekend. Remember, they lost to them in that fixture last season. Uh, the men's first team, not the only Chelsea side to lose to Juventus on Wednesday. The under-19s went down 3-1 to their Italian counterparts. Jay Wareham got the Chelsea goal. That was in the UEFA Youth League. The under-23s host Blackburn at Cobham on Sunday. And the under-18s are also at home. They take on West Ham on Saturday. Right, listen, you know what comes just after elsewhere in Chelsea news and just before the plugs on our Thursday pods, don't you? Yeah, it's quiz time. Uh, three questions per contestant, vaguely Southampton related. Simon's already got his head in his hands. Um, I'm backing you this week, so uh, you're going to get the first question as well. <laughs> Earlier, we spoke about the 3-3 draw between Chelsea and Southampton at the bridge last season. I want to know which player made his final league appearance under Frank Lampard in that game? 
Oh no. You didn't have a particularly good game. Don't give him a clue. <laughs> there were quite a few that didn't have a good game that day. That's true, yeah, yeah. Duh. A good quiz is a quick quiz, as somebody once said. Uh, no, I, I don't know. Sam, can you steal? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It feels very early for this, but I'll have to go for Alonso. That is incorrect. The answer was Kepa Aritha Balaga. Oh. Which, you know, think about it. He chucked like two goals. Mm. Oh, I, I didn't hear the question properly. I, I thought you said last <laughs> I thought you said last ever appearance for Chelsea. No, no. Well, so it pays to actually listen to the question. Yeah, I would have. It yes, does, yeah. Oh, for one then. So uh, let's see if Sam can, can do any better. He's got a really serious question to start with. Southampton are managed by the Austrian Ralph Hasenhutl. But what does the Saints boss's surname translate to in English? <laughs> I've Ralph probably had, I've Hasenhutl. probably heard it, but I, I can't get it. I'll go for uh, Wild Goose. Ooh, it's not far off. Simon, can you steal? <laughs> wild Bear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not far off in that it's animal related. Hasenhutl means rabbit hutch. His name well, is Ralph Rabbit Hutch. Yeah, which has got to be yeah. one of the greatest things in English football today, I think. <laughs> Um, solid start as ever guys 0-0 after one each uh, let's see how Simon gets on with question number two. Oh dear I've written getting a bit tougher now that's not a good sign is it <laughs> uh, the, the first Premier League meeting between Chelsea and Southampton came back on Boxing Day 1992 a 1-1 draw at the bridge tell me please which former Chelsea defender was in the Saints lineup that day uh, I'll go with um, is it Ken Moncow it was Ken Moncow. You're on the boards. Very good. Uh, yeah, good. Impressed with that. Uh, okay, Sam, yours is from a, a more recent game between the sides. Back in April 2017, former Blues Oriel Romeu and Ryan Bertram both scored for Southampton at Stamford Bridge. What was the final score in that game? I have no idea. I'd much preferred the 1992 question. I'd have got that. Uh, I will go 4-2 Chelsea. Oh, he's got it. Oh, <laughs> oh fair play. One wild, incredible scene. Uh, all right, Simon, here's your last one. Uh, this is the kind of obscure... It's not weird, the followers one, it, is it? It is, I'm afraid, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not again. Uh, the aforementioned Chelsea Academy Player of the Year, uh, Tino Liveramento, will likely line up for Southampton on Saturday. He's not a big Twitter guy, that, this from looking at his page. How many people do you think that Tino Liveramento follows? So not follow, <laughs> how many followers has he got? How many is he following? I'll give you a margin of 
what should we say? Three. <laughs> oh, so generous. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with... Uh, 58. It's not, I'm afraid. Sam? 15. Oh, you're closer, but you're both wrong. 23. Odd. Um, yeah. Either do it or don't, Tino, I'd say. I quite like how Liam Gallagher follows nobody. Uh, that, that would be better. Anyway, Sam, you can win it if you get this right. But, I mean, if you do, I'll give you the money myself if there was any money. <laughs> Question number three. How many goals did Chelsea great Kerry Dixon score in his brief time at Southampton? What's my window here? Uh, you don't have a window, I'm afraid. I I was just thinking about Kerry Dixon because I thought this might come up, but I presume he played more for Luton. Oh, I don't know. I'll go for four. Simon, would you like to steal? Uh, it wasn't that many more than that. Um, let's go... Was it high? I feel like this is playing cards. Higher or lower? Good game, good game. Um, <laughs> a lot of people won't get that reference, will they? Um, <laughs> we did, that's fine. Oh, okay. uh, although it wasn't a very good impression. I'm going to go seven. Seven? No, you're both wrong, I'm afraid. It was two. He only played 12 oh. games. Uh, yeah, much better at Luton than at the Saints. So that was 1 1, so we might as well not have bothered. Um, anyway, hopefully somebody out I'll there enjoyed it. If not the contestants. Yeah, you build on that, can't you? It's a building block for next yeah, year. Yeah. One more than Norwich. One more point than Norwich. <laughs> Continue my Norwich reference from the An last quiz. Norwich agenda continues to pervade the pod in all forms. Uh, Simon, what have you got in the pipeline for Athletic subscribers to enjoy, please? Um, so I'm doing a, a piece on Rudiger and his, um, his sort of contract situation, uh, just unveiling or, or trying to reveal sort of what, what is the, the exact situation. There's been a lot of... Uh, a lot of speculation, uh, the kind of numbers he's asking for, what the state of play is, who's interested in him, etc., etc. Um, but also sort of making the correlation between him and, and William, really, and, and whether sort of unlike William, that Chelsea should actually uh, exceed to really good demands, given the contribution he makes to, to uh, the club, both on the pitch and, and off it. Yeah, pretty important figure around the training ground as well as on the pitch. Do check that out. Also, Dom's post-match piece from the Juventus Stadium is available to athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Sam, you are currently the hardest working man in all of football broadcasting. I bet you're at a game tonight. I bet you're at a game this weekend. Maybe two this weekend in a quest, something like that. Uh, I'll continue my, um, my quest to become uh, Thomas Tuchel's London-based scout by visiting Tottenham tonight and Crystal Palace on Sunday. Excellent. No, not, not Chelsea. <laughs> uh, we'll be back on Monday when we'll be looking back on that game against Southampton and not looking ahead to a midweek game because it's an international break. Do join us for that if you can. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. The Athletic.